Hey, hi, uh, I am Richard Donner, but you can call me Dick, and you're listening to Superman Movie Minute. Is that right? Did I do it right? Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Superman 3 Movie Minute, the show that scrutinizes, analyzes, and you'll believe a man can flies is 1983's Superman 3, five minutes at a time. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network, I'm one of your hosts, Rob Kelly, and joining me as always on this journey through time and space is... Chris Franklin. Howdy, Chris. Hey, Rob. How's it going? It's going great. We finally have Superman back. Uh, after, uh, <laughs> not that the Superman, the evil Superman parts weren't fun, but it's nice to have uh, our hero back. And he's finally, finally uh, going to be squaring off against our villains. It seems like we've waited the whole movie to get to this. Uh, but so we finally, we finally going to get some uh, Superman versus villain action here. Uh, we're going to be talking about minutes 135 through 140. They're going to start with Superman arriving at Ross's penthouse. And they're going to end right in the middle of the Superman video game. <laughs> it's going to be a lot to talk about uh, in that particular <laughs> section. Um, but right at the top of these minutes, Chris, like me, I assume that you uh, enjoyed the fact that the shot of Superman on Ross's television is one of the key pieces of merchandising art from the original Superman movie, uh, as opposed to getting like just a still of Christopher Reeve on the set when they were making this movie. They pull it right from like like the Magic Monday cover or whatever it is. It's just I find that really funny. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think they went to Heroes World and, and bought that portfolio of Superman images or whatever that they were always selling or something. <laughs> yeah, it it, 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 but that's kind of cool because it's like that's like literally like a publicity photo of Superman in universe, you know. Yep. Uh, yeah. So it's that's that's great. It's like it's like you can imagine that maybe maybe it's it's in you know maybe that's why Superman knew who Jimmy was. Maybe Lois set up a photo shoot and Jimmy took that picture. <laughs> That's why Superman knew who Jimmy was uh, in the when he saved him at, at the dam in the first movie. There so, you go, so. right? <laughs> <laughs> Superman needed to shoot some contemporary publicity images, and that's right. one of the key. It was like a you know, it was like a JLGL PBHN stock art guide that Superman sends out for publicity. <laughs> for like, right? Use <laughs> this shot. Here's a profile. Here's me flying. Here's me standing in front of Metropolis. Use any of those for the for the t-shirts. It's all. Good. Here's me coming out of a phone book. Oh no! Don't do yeah, that. Yeah, one. Don't, yeah. Don't use that one. Don't use that one. So yeah, I <laughs> just I said I love I love that image. So uh, then we find our way to uh, the the remote mountaintop hideaway uh, of Ross Webster, and we see that uh, boy, this hideaway that they built is a pain in the ass to get to uh, <laughs> because our here our I was gonna say our heroes no our villains have to actually uh, climb into little. Uh, balloon slash Batman whirly bats and <laughs> ride down into this chasm to get to the opening of this thing. And we see Gus Grissom is uh, not willing to do that. He's going to take a burrow down, adding to some, uh, you know, adding some uh, comedy hijinks. I-, I mean, my first thought when seeing the sequence, it's fun uh, and it's old timey adventure because they have like the goggles on. They all three of the characters, Ross and and his sister and Lorelai, look like they're they've come out of the Great Race starring Jack Lemmon and Tony Curtis. But, like, it makes me think, how the hell did this HQ get built if it takes that kind of effort just to get to the opening? Yeah, I mean, that we saw all those workers earlier, you know. 
and they they airdropped, uh, you know, they they by helicopter dropped in some of the equipment for the supercomputer in an earlier scene. So it's like, how did they get down there? Did they yeah. balloon down too? I mean, you know, it's 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 crazy. I, and I'm glad you mentioned the whirly bats because that's the first thing I thought of. And 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 I had to look up to see if these things were real. And apparently, I mean, it looks like they're real in shot in some of the you know the faraway shots that. But they could be models. I couldn't really tell if they're, you know, but if they are, they probably don't really have, they probably li- literally just float. They probably don't have like the propellers and everything that they built into this. But this, you know, if these, if these things are, are real, I looked it up and couldn't find them. But if they are, listeners, let us know. But um, I, I could see Roger Moore's James Bond using this. I could oh, see Q totally. showing him this. Pay attention, 007, you know, and. <laughs> It, oh, it totally you can totally see Roger Moore in this. <laughs> oh uh, yeah, it's it's very Bondian with the, this kind of like all right, we're gonna sort of have this sort of slow pan and watch them all put this together because it's kind of a fun contraption. Uh, but it, it, I mean, I don't know, I don't get freaked out about being uh, up in heights particularly. I, I'm okay flying, but those things do not look terribly secure. I, I just. <laughs> I don't know. I would not feel really great about flying in one of those things that the only thing keeping me from plummeting to the ground is just that tiny little balloon. It just feels a little like, eh, pass. Yeah, it's like it's like a lawn chair and a couple of balloons you got at Disney World trying to bring you down to the Grand yeah. Canyon. No. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm good, no. <laughs> Hard pass. Hard pass. Uh, so then we get a shot of Superman uh, heading uh, heading out to the heading out to the, the, the desert out there to meet them. And uh, this sequence is kind of slow. And there's some Green screen work where Lorelai is kicking and acting kind of like a child and she's enjoying herself. And again, this, as you just said, this is very James Bondian. This is, and then we get a shot of Ross as he's sort of floating down. Like he, he looks like he's kind of like a kid, like he's enjoying it. It's only the sister that's sort of taking this uh, seriously. And then we get another shot of Superman as he's heading out uh, as fast as he can. And then we get, finally, they enter the, uh, the cave for their supercomputer. And I will say, uh, again, speaking of James Bond, this is a very James Bondian set. This oh, feels yeah. very Ken Adamsy with this massive uh, thing. And he even says, he refers to it as the ultimate computer, which once again makes me think, how close did we get to having Brainiac in this in these series of movies? But we didn't, didn't quite get there. Well, according to Ilya Salkine, they, they did. You know, that was his thought, and they ended up yep. moving away from it. So it's it's such a shame, but... And 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 like um, and like David Gallagher pointed out last time when they reveal the supercomputer and turn the lights on, you know, there's those crystals hanging from the ceiling which look like they came from Jorel's garage sale, maybe. <laughs> um, so it, it, you know, it's like that was before Superman the animated series, I believe, was the first version of Superman that tied Brainiac into Krypton. Uh, but this would have been a good place to start that, and then you could have had Brainiac, you know, and. Uh, I will say though, and I've always thought this, but this supercomputer in this cave sure looks a whole lot like the atomic pile in the bat cave <laughs> in the Batman 60s TV series. I mean, the shape of it, those, those big giant tubes at a, at a 45 degree angle going from the ground up to the top. I mean, it, it, you know, you're just, I, I expect Batman to be fighting a bunch of dehydrated crooks in there. You know, I mean, it's on top of it. It's, it's what a way to go, go. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I feel St. John's going to fall, fall into it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's like, as a kid, I'm like, that looks like the, that looks like the thing in the Batcave. <laughs> it really does. It has a little death star in it too. 
uh, yeah. in terms of the lighting and that op- that uh, that upshot that you talked about with the crystals hanging, that it does look like Fortress of Solitude, but it also does have a little bit of that that whatever that little control panel that Ben Kenobi has to you know climb onto to turn the force shields off. That's yeah. kind of just like di- sitting in the middle. It's like you know this tower sitting in the middle of this big chasm. It has that same look to it as well. Again, you can't help it. Imagine everybody sort of pulling from the same sources. But it's a great set. I mean, it looks really cool. It is, we've been saying this across the last couple of episodes, this movie really is the closest of all the movies to what Superman comics looked like in 1983. Yes. Uh, with giant bases and, you know, the it, it just had that kind of, we're going to get death rays shortly in a little bit. I mean, yeah, Superman 2 with the villains is very comic booky, but in terms of what the average Superman comic looked like in during the years of these movies, this is really the closest. You could I could imagine all of this being drawn by Kurt Swan. I, I could yes. just see it. Yes, most definitely. Yeah, and as they, you know, we'll we'll get into it in in, in later minutes. But some of the defensives they use are are very. You can really imagine those moments. Drawn by Swan, inked by Frank Ceramonte or somebody, you know. <laughs> Dave so, Hunt. Yeah, Dave Hunt, yeah, yeah, yeah one of those guys, guys yeah. <laughs> um, there is a nice line from Ross Webster where as they're climbing the steps uh, of the uh, the tower, you see on top of like a computer monitor, there's a beer bottle and yeah. like some sort of, I don't know, it's some sort of jar or something, I can't have just a glass, but it's obviously, and there's a, an ashtray with some cigarettes, I believe, and they sort of comment on it. And then Ross has a, a line where he says, why don't the peons tidy up? Uh, which I thought was a funny, you know, kind of a little bit of character detail of this, you know, blinkered rich guy who doesn't even really fully appreciate that. Look at what his men built for him in this thing. Yeah. Again, look how tough it was to get just to get to this thing. How do you possibly run power sources? How do you lift these giant metal? I mean, you know what I mean? It, it, it's like every other comic book movie superhero movie james bond movie where these bases are built and you're like no human could build this thing and i just love that he's mad that they left a beer bottle behind that's just very very uh, Ross webster yeah that's that's that was a nice little bit for for robert vaughn to, to throw that line out yeah as 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 vera explains that she's really up on computers now too which i'm like really they waited till the end of the movie to tell us she's yeah <laughs> why did you need gus you know yeah <laughs> So then uh, Lorelai uh, flips one of the switches and sort of is starting to hint a little bit that she knows more than uh, she lets on. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and this, again, uh, Vera is sort of like, okay. And then they just kind of move by that. And then we have, again, more uh, nice uh, blue screen footage of Superman flying. And, you know, uh, I get, there's this part where Christopher Reeve as Superman, like turns his head back and moves his arm back. I don't really know what the purpose of it was other than just to give it a little more, I guess, visual life. Just not having yeah. not having him flying straight out with his hands, and again, it's like he really just looks so wonderfully natural doing. That. Yeah, I mean that's the thing that Reeve really. I mean, one of the things that Reeve really brought to Superman, especially in flight, is that he moved. That he moved this. He he switched his hands from a fist to an open hand. He put one arm back and one arm forward, and he sometimes he'd flip over. You know, he'd do a roll and barrel hmm. roll type thing, and and. These look great, and I kind of wonder, though, some of the background kind of reminds me, and I didn't go back and look, but it kind of reminds me, the background image is not Superman, of, of when he's chasing the, the missile in the first movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it kind of it has that, um, that kind of look to it. So it might have been a reused shot, I don't know. But 
Um, it, it, that, that shot looks great. Now, earlier when they showed Superman coming straight at the camera, it looked a little green screeny, and mm-hmm. that actually, I believe, is the same shot that they use over and over in Superman 4. <laughs> so, oh, Lord. So it, there's that one shot in Superman 4 that they keep reusing, and I think it comes from Superman 3, and it's, it didn't look good in Superman 3 even, and it looks even worse in 4. But, but before we leave on Superman flying, I will say we, missed a, we forgot to mention a little fun little quip from Gus when Vera's like, well, why don't you just balloon down with the rest of us? And he looks around and he says, I just don't believe a man can fly. Oh, right. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so not only did they have the Superman promotional images in the movie, they put the tagline for the first movie in this movie. So <laughs> get, it, get it all in. Use, use all of the buffalo, as, the, as they say. Uh, yes, so uh, Ross and, and Vera flip some switches, and then we see that their defenses are being engaged, and we see the shot of a bunch of the ground falls away and coming out of it is a bunch of missiles. Again, the, uh, how you would build this, who the hell knows how you could possibly build this. Uh, but again, it's very Superman death trappy where they point these missiles, these, uh, series of missiles. And it looks like it's about two dozen missiles, uh, all yeah. pointed at Superman as he's flying. And then the Ross gets all excited and he grabs the controls. And again, you have to think this is definitely the influence between 1980 and 1983 of how much video games took over youth culture. Uh, because you're basically getting Ross Webster sitting down to play a video game at this point. And it, I mean, in a minute, it's going to literally become yes. a video game. And I mean, this is just what every outside of shooting at Superman, this is what every little kid was doing at this age is playing video games. So they wanted to dial this in exactly. So little kids could be like, Oh yeah, that's what my life is like at the moment. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, and if you think about it, I mean, the whole, the whole movie is about how technology is, you know, boy, did they, they, they only knew how technology has changed, oh, boy. you know, our lives and, you know, technology is this advanced technology is coming. Yeah. And, and uh, so, yeah, it's, it's, this is a, a, an extension of that, you know, and it's, it's, it's part of it that definitely, you know, a kids might not understand so much or care that, a computer, you know, might be able to control where oil goes and where it doesn't go, but they sure understand a video game, right? Yep. So, <laughs> I mean, it goes so far as to when we see the screen of Superman uh, on Ross's screen, it says rockets and it has the count of how many rockets he's got, and it even has score uh, next to it. So, I mean, they are leaning <laughs> into this skid very heavily, and uh, we see Ross as he's pointing the the, the missiles and he's firing them at Superman. And during the sequence, it turns, we see footage of what is, you know, the best Superman video game that would have been possible in 1983 technology of where you're trying to bring Superman down with, with, with missiles. It's, and it even, it said, and when it hits Superman in a little bit, it gives him a score. Like there's some sort of a hundred, 500, like it's like so totally goofy. Yeah. That the, 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 why does it look like a video game? Why does it have a score? I mean, that is getting into silly. It's it's not two traffic walk. You know, uh, uh, you know, uh, the the characters in the traffic lights fighting. It's not that. It's not that level. But it's still pretty silly that mm-hmm. that it turns into a video game. I mean, I think when you're a kid, you don't even think about it. But as an adult, you're like, wait a minute, why why isn't it just like camera footage? Why is it? A- <laughs> Why is it a video game? Why does know? he get points I, I mean, for hitting Superman? I, I mean, I, it, exactly. Who built who built the 
did you know who and if Gus Gus seems like he's totally unaware of all this to a point so it's like you know did did he build who built that in or is or, you know not to give anything away or is the computer becoming self-aware already and decided to design a video game I don't know but it, you know it's it's um yeah it, it's odd but Atari had a Superman video game out at this time but of course it looked like you know Superman was literally like you know five pixels you know uh <laughs> right. so so i mean it was like in 1988 that they came out with the superman arcade game that by taito uh, taito t-a-i-t-o i never knew how to pronounce that but I, I remember playing that game over and over it was in the lobby of our local walmart so every time we went to walmart <laughs> and that was the only place to shop in our town anytime we went to walmart i would just chunk quarters and quarters and it played a very you know, synthesized version of the John Williams theme. So I, that's the one arcade game I would love to have, like in my collectibles room. I'd love to have that game. So <laughs> that's a that's a dream. So one of the, if anybody ever sees a Superman arcade game for sale, let me know. Um, <laughs> and Cindy knows about it, so she knows that it's a you know I'm willing to drop some coin on that, right? For, uh, but uh, <laughs> that, that you wanting that game could not possibly be a surprise to her at this point. No, no, it's not. She know, but I've I've specifically told her. You know, it's like they've have, they have all these. You know, you can go and I think you know Walmart sells those. You can buy those arcade cabinets with the games in yep. them, and they haven't had Superman yet. I almost got the Marvel superheroes one, but I didn't. But it it <laughs> it's they they look fun. But yeah, that's they are. But a buddy of mine has the Star Wars game, and it's it's a lot of fun to play. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, but yeah, this this looks a lot like that game, and but it's but it's five years ahead of its time. So <laughs> yeah, it's 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 incredibly goofy, uh, but it's still fun, and we'll see more of it uh, in the next uh, five minutes. But that's where these five minutes wrap up. Is uh, again, we're finally getting some encounters between uh, Superman and and the bad guys, which is nice. Yeah, I don't understand why it makes Pac-Man sounds, but uh, it's you know it's it's okay that it's it's a video game, so that's that's the sounds video games make. So but yeah, this, exactly. This is fun. You know, it's kind of interesting you brought up. It's like you know, usually in in a movie, the the hero will have at least one encounter with the villain, get defeated by those villains, and then have a final a final confrontation with with them at the end, which will take a while, but he'll eventually win. Right. So. Yep. In this one, I guess he kind of he kind of met the villains, but he became his own villain uh, by meeting them, I guess, in in some ways. So it's it's kind of an odd an odd uh, uh, flip of the script, really, in a lot of ways. So yeah, he, he's meeting these people for the first time, and we're almost at the end of the movie. <laughs> so uh, on a practical level, easier to shoot because you've got all your you know you've got. Uh, all your actors, Pamela Stevenson, and you've got you know Andy Ross, and you got Richard Pryor, and you you know and they're all there, uh, and and uh, you know and uh, who plays Ross Webster? Why am I blanking? Robert Vaughn. Robert, Robert Vaughn. What is? Oh my God, I'm getting so old. Uh, you've got all them together, <laughs> and you have Christopher Reeve off doing his own thing, and then you could just put them all together. You know, it's harder to get all the actors together at one shot. That's why I like that one shot at the end of Endgame was so impressive because they got all forty Marvel actors to be there at the same time for five minutes, you know, but in terms of the practicality of making movies, it's just easier to have your actors sort of separated and then you stitch them together at the end. Yeah, I guess so. That's a good point. Yeah. (laughs) So I said, that's going to do it for these five minutes of Superman movie minute. We're always talking uh, this movie over and the other Superman movies on Twitter at Superman movement 
All the back episodes of this show are found on our website, firewaterpodcast.com. You can subscribe to Superman Movie Minute on any podcatcher of your choice. We always have to thank uh, Alex Robinson and Pete the Retailer, who started the Movie Movie Minutes format and generously allow us to use it. And, of course, if you want to support Superman Movie Minutes, go to patreon.com slash fwpodcast, and there you can unlock various rewards, one of which is to be named checked on show of your choice. So big thanks to Superman's pal Henry Bernstein for his support of Superman Movie Minute. Yes, thank you, Henry. Absolutely. So, all right, everybody, come back next time as the adventure continues with Superman 3 Movie Minute. Giorgio, per favore. E grazie.